just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back at the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope your week is going well. Just want to give you a little heads up. On Friday afternoon, I'm flying to San Diego, then driving up to L.A. I'm going to be there until Monday afternoon, and I'll fly home. So if over the weekend you come up one day and don't find a Rational Boomer podcast, no problems. Don't worry. It's just that I'm not in a position to actually do the podcast. Ultimately, I will be able to do them out of town. When my wife and I are going out of town, this is a little different trip. My wife's not going, my brother, some friends, nephew, that kind of thing. So I may not be able to do a podcast while I'm gone. Uh, So if you're missing one, don't worry. I'll be back Monday, and we'll be back on track. Now, some good news today. You'll remember that the House Select Committee subpoenaed a bunch of people and also a lot of documents from the White House in and around January 6th. Now, these documents hold a lot of information. And Donald Trump wasn't having it. He did not want those documents released to the select committee. So he screamed like a little piggy and said, hey, I have executive privilege. Except Joe Biden stepped up and said, "Uh, yeah, no, you don't. The only person that has executive privilege is the sitting president. And hey, that's me, Joe Biden. And I'm not asserting executive privilege. Well, now, Donald Trump is even more upset about it. So what does he do? He does the very thing that he always does, even when he knows he's going to lose, because he really has no basis in fact or law to make his complaint. But even still, what he does then is file a lawsuit so that he can delay the inevitable. And he's done it over and over and over again. That's just his... Uh, M.O. when it comes to uh, things he doesn't like. So when he filed this lawsuit, he assumed, oh, this will take forever. It'll be six months out and a year out and all this other kinds of stuff. And he's trying to run out the clock because who knows what's happening on 2022. To be perfectly honest with you, if 2022 ends up being a Republican year, then this whole select committee could go by the wayside. So it's important that they get things done before 2022. So Donald Trump files this lawsuit thinking it's going to be a delay, but instead the court case comes up on November 4th. Well, that was quick. (laughs) So the two sides went to argue their uh, cases. And at the time, the judge uh, didn't seem to have any interest in what Donald Trump was complaining about. It didn't seem to make any sense to her, which makes sense to us because there is no base in law for his fucking complaints. Still, you had to go through the process, and we had to wait for some decision from this federal court judge. Well, she released her decision, 39-page decision, pretty decisive position, And she basically said that everything that Donald Trump says or claims or complains about has no value. Donnie Trump loses again. The documents can be released and should be released. And uh, 
the Trump side had no real good argument for it. So, now the thing about it is, the National Archives, who holds these documents, said they were going to release the documents on November 12th, which is this Friday, uh, as long as no court was telling them not to do it. They weren't going to wait for them to go through the whole court system. They were just going to release them on November 12th, unless a court stepped in and said, hey, you've got to stop. Now, of course, just because Donald Trump lost this case, that doesn't mean he isn't going to file appeal, which he will. But there's a couple of things he has to do, and he may not have enough time to pull that shit off. First and foremost, he has to go to the judge who just made this decision and see if she will implement a stay, meaning hold on it until the appeal happens and then we get the final decision. Well, the fact of the matter is this judge is not going to offer a stay. There is absolutely no reason to offer something like that. So that's not going to happen. So then he'll go to an appeals court, and he'll try to get a stay from them. But the only thing they have to read is what the judge uh, ruled on this case, and there's really nothing for them to justify a stay. And then he could take it a bit farther. He could take it all the way to the Supreme Court. But these claims are so far out of legal parameters that not even they could offer any different result than this federal judge did. But here's the key thing. If what we understand is true that the, uh, the National Archives is going to release this on Friday, he has to try to get a stay. Then he has to try to get another stay. Then he may have to go to the Supreme and get them to rule on this thing. But he's got to do it by fucking Friday. So that doesn't seem too likely. That doesn't seem like that's really going to be possible for Donald Trump because things don't move that fast. You see the irony here? He filed the lawsuit thinking it was going to slow down and drag things out and then he would be able to run out the clock. But it didn't. It happened pretty quickly. And to be perfectly honest with you, if we had any kind of appeal actually crop up, it would go pretty quickly, just like the first case, and he would be found a loser again in an appeal case. He just has no grounds for it. But the ironic thing is he tried to slow everything down so he could run out the clock, and now he's running out of time. Now he's got to hurry this shit up, and it'll be interesting to see if he can pull anything off. I think he's run out his rope at this point. I think he doesn't have time. I mean, the bottom line is no matter what happens, even if it stopped to go through an appeals court and stopped to go through a Supreme Court, he's not going to win this case. And ultimately, they are going to have to release the documents. And it could be as early as this Friday, which could be interesting. Now, the thing about it is these documents are going to reveal a lot about January 6th. It's going to tell us what Donald Trump was talking about, who he was talking to, who made visits to the White House, where he was, what he knew, what he didn't know, and how much he was involved in the January 6th planning and the incitement on the day of. 
there's a lot of information in here that he doesn't want released. Otherwise, he wouldn't be fighting so hard. He knows that he's going to be proven to be part of this whole debacle on January 6th or November 6th. Oh, January 6th. I'm sorry. And he's going to be in trouble. There's no doubt a fucking about it. He's going to have a problem. I mean, there are call logs and visitor logs and speeches and notes from Mark Meadows, the chief of staff. We know he talked to Jim Jordan and who else he talked to. We don't know if he talked to somebody from the insurrectionists, from the Oath Keepers or whatever the fuck they call themselves. So this could be very problematic for Donald Trump. And this is something that uh, is going to happen pretty quickly. Again, maybe as quickly as Friday, which will be very interesting. It's, It's not something, not a situation like we saw when he was in office. He was able to game the system. He was able to draw things out. Uh, But he can't now because they don't have the majority in the House, the majority in the Senate. They have law on their side. He took it to court. He failed miserably. He'll try to appeal it just to extend time, but he's going to fail miserably. Even if he takes it to the Supreme Court, he's going to fail because the law is so obvious. He doesn't have executive privilege because only the sitting president has it. It's cut and dried. There's no debate about it. Donald Trump is just trying to waste time. And if it does go through court after court after court, it will be quickly set aside because there is no real legal complaint by Donald Trump. And that's never bothered him before, of course. He's always been the kind of guy that just did whatever the fuck he wanted. And then he played the game until people got tired of it or forgot about it. It's not going to happen in this case. Those documents will get released, and it's going to be a big problem for Donald Trump. And as I told you in the podcast yesterday, he's got other problems, too, down in Georgia. It looks like they're going to set up a grand jury. And uh, the only people they're looking at on that are Donald Trump, Mark Meadows, um, Lindsey Graham, because they all made calls left left audio tape of it, so their crimes are documented on audio tape in their voices. They got real problems there. So the January 6th commission is going to get a lot of information. They uh, are also going to, and I'm going to talk about some more subpoenas that they put out today. But I wanted to make one point. We've been very concerned about Merrick Garland and what he's doing with this Steve Bannon thing. Now, Steve Bannon, of course, refused to comply with the uh, subpoena. He claimed executive privilege. He was referred to the DOJ, Merrick Garland, for criminal contempt of Congress. Now, we have yet to see anything happen with Merrick Garland, which is pissing off a lot of people, not only in the Democratic Party, the politicians, but also with the general public. And let's be honest, politicians play in the court of public opinion as much or more than anything. When the heat is on, things have to happen. Now, Merrick Garland, as I've told you before, he's kind of a Boy Scout, sticks by the law and is concerned about doing something that might ruffle feathers with uh, leaning too politically or acting too much like Donald Trump did when he was in office. So he's been very cagey about this situation with 
Steve Bannon on whether he was going to prosecute him. Well, one of the things that Merrick Garland may have been doing is waiting for this decision. Because Steve Bannon's whole point is that he has executive privilege because of Donald Trump, and that's why he's not going to testify. Well, we just had a court ruling that said that executive privilege is bullshit. It's not real. It doesn't, it isn't a thing. So once that's taken away, now Merrick Garland is in a better position, less questionable position to actually prosecute Steve Bannon. So maybe that's what he was doing. Maybe he was waiting for that decision. Now, even if he wasn't waiting for that decision, that decision still came down, and now it's going to put pressure on him. If if it wasn't all part of his plan, this is going to put some pressure on him. There's going to be more and more people going to the DOJ with these complaints, these criminal contempt of Congress complaints, and they're going to pile up on his desk. He's already got a court case that proved the executive privilege claim is not valid. So he's between a rock and a hard place. He's got to react to this. And then you throw in the court of public opinion, all the uh, Democratic politicians and all the people in this country screaming at him. He's going to be in a tight spot. So my guess is, and I'm just taking a wild guess and it's based on nothing, but because this is all going down the way it's going down, I would not be surprised if they took Steve Bannon to the grand jury some point next week. It goes longer than that. The shit's going to fall apart for Merrick Garland. He can't keep just sitting on this stuff. This decision might have a very pivotal point in what Merrick Garland does with Steve Bannon. There's no question Steve Bannon should be prosecuted. He wasn't even in the White House in January 6th. He didn't work for the president. He didn't work for the government. He was an individual. So based on that, there should be nothing that stops them from prosecuting them. But of course, you know, with with Merrick Garland and the DOJ, they like to dot their I's and cross their T's and figure out everything that's going on. But I'll tell you this. I was watching one of the TV news channels. Don't remember which. Doesn't matter. But uh, they were talking to a gentleman by the name of uh, Lawrence Tribe, and he's a well-respected lawyer. He's a law professor at Harvard, I believe. And apparently Merrick Garland was one of his students. And Lawrence Tribe himself said, look, everything's out of the way. Everything's prime for Merrick Garland to file Um, charges against Steve Bannon. And if he doesn't by next week or the week after, that's problematic. That's wrong. And there is a problem there that needs to be fixed. So Merrick Garland's teacher himself, a well-respected Lawrence Tribe, said he's got to be doing something pretty quickly. So hopefully with this this decision and some of the other things that are happening will actually see Merrick Garland do something and file charges. Now, what that will do, what that will do is that will make other people nervous when they finally see that, yes, they're going to file charges. Some of these people that are sitting on their thumbs are going to say, oh, fuck, I don't want to get in that. I don't want to be charged with criminal contempt of Congress. I could go to jail for that. Nothing, not even Donald Trump, is worth going to jail over something like that. 
So we'll have to see all this all plays out, but it looks like it's going to happen all very quickly. So watch very closely, keep your eyes open, and keep listening, stay in touch with the Rational Boomer podcast, and we'll keep you informed as we continue through this process. But uh, I think Steve Bannon's going to get his, and Donald Trump is not going to get his hopes and dreams of keeping those documents hidden. He has a reason he wants them hidden, and that's the very reason why we should see them. All right, I got some more political stuff to talk about, but I want to bring this up, not because it really matters that much, but I talked about it once before, and I thought I'd fill you in on what the results are of this situation. We were talking about Aaron Rodgers lying about being vaccinated, getting all kinds of heat from people. He goes on another radio show or podcast or whatever he was on, and he starts telling people, well, I wasn't immunized. I wasn't vaccinated, but I was immunized because I was taking ivermectin. And they said, well, where did you get this medical information? And they said, Joe Rogan. Oh, that's fucking brilliant. So the next time you uh, tear an Achilles or pull a hamstring when you're playing football, you're going to call Joe Rogan to have him tell you how to fix it, or are you going to go with the trainer or the doctor with the team? Dumb fucking answer. Dumb fucking answer. Well, now, of course, the NFL weighed in on this, and it's really more about um, more about Aaron Rodgers lying because there are other people in the NFL, one in my home state, that have acknowledged that they aren't getting vaccinated. So there's some other protocol they have to go through if they aren't getting vaccinated. So um, you can play in the NFL and not be vaccinated, but you got to own up to it. You got to be honest about it. And Aaron Rodgers wasn't. So what happens to him? NFL comes up with punishment for this. And first of all, the Green Bay Packers were fined $300,000. It's a lot of money. Not for the Green Bay Packers, but it's a lot of money. Now, there was one other member of the team that was also fined with Aaron Rodgers. His name is Alan Lazard. I think he's a wide receiver. Apparently, Aaron and Alan went to a Halloween party without being vaccinated, without wearing a mask. He did a press conference. Aaron did a press conference without wearing a mask. That's all violations of the NFL's rules. So Aaron Rodgers was fined $14,650, and so was Alan Lazard. Now, let's be fucking perfectly honest. $14,000 to a guy making $100 million ain't shit. He spends more on that at Starbucks a month. So I don't know if he's going to learn a lesson from the fine. But I tell you what. He's learning a lesson from the, again, court of public opinion. He's maybe one of the most hated men in pro football right now. And every time he talks, he doesn't make it better. He makes it a lot worse. Um, But here's the thing. If there are future violations, and it doesn't even have to be Aaron Rodgers and Alan Lazard, if they have future violations of this COVID thing, there will be more fines for the Green Bay, maybe another $300,000. But they could also you lose their position in the draft. So like if they're drafting number nine, the NFL would come in and say, no, you're going at 15 now or whatever. So this is could be pretty damaging to the uh, Green Bay Packers if it continues. 
Now, of course, if Aaron Rodgers and Alan Lazard um, continue to break the rules or continue to lie, well, then uh, they could be fined more. And again, another $14,650 isn't going to matter to fucking Aaron Rodgers, but maybe they boost it up a bit. Maybe they give him a suspension. Maybe something else happens. So these people are going to be watched, the Green Bay Packers, these players, and all the other players on the team. Now, football's a team sport. And at this point, Aaron Rodgers doesn't come off as a team player. Seems more like an asshole, don't you think? So it'll be interesting to see how the chemistry is within the Green Bay Packers when Aaron Rodgers comes back. For my money, he's a fucking crybaby. He's arrogant, he's narcissistic, and he's a crybaby. Things don't go his way. He cries and blames somebody else. And that's exactly what he's doing here. He's saying he's being uh, persecuted by the woke mob. No, motherfucker, you just lied. You flat out lied to your team and your your uh, colleagues on the team, and you put them in danger. Every time you went to a party, you put them in da- put those people in danger. No, you're an arrogant fuck. This is nobody's fault but yours, Aaron Rodgers. And if you can't own up to that, well, then you're a piece of shit. And your time with the Green Bay Packers and maybe in the NFL are limited. I talked about this before on a TikTok and maybe on the podcast, too. But when you compare somebody like Colin Kaepernick to Aaron Rodgers, Colin Kaepernick essentially took a knee during the national anthem to protest police brutality. It wasn't anything against America. It wasn't anything against our government. It was to protest police brutality. And there's some reason for him to do that. It's legitimate. In fact, when he decided to do this, he went to a friend who was in the military and said, I want to do something, what would you suggest? And his friend in the military suggested he take a knee. So he did his due diligence and went to somebody in the military to see what would be the best way, the most respectful way to do this. And that's what he told him, take a knee. But he takes a knee. Donald Trump is a president screaming he should get fired, called him a son of a bitch or a bastard or whatever he called him. Totally not in the line of what you would hear a president say. So what happens to Colin Kaepernick? Well, Colin Kaepernick essentially gets blackballed from the NFL. He doesn't get to play anymore. Now, don't cry for Colin Kaepernick. He's a talented, smart guy, and uh, he's still making plenty of money. And he made plenty of money before he got blackballed. So he's, he's not having trouble going out for dinner. He's fine. But still, the treatment was unwarranted. And now you've got Aaron Rodgers, who has disease that could cause people to get very sick, maybe even die. He lies about it, and he gets a $14,000 fine. You see how fucked up that appears? And he still gets to play. He still gets to collect his check from the NFL. And the only difference between these two people is one's black, one's white. Realistically, that's the only difference. They're both quarterbacks. I mean, Aaron might be a better quarterback than Colin Kaepernick, but that shouldn't matter. If you're breaking NFL rules, you should be punished. Now, here's the thing. Colin Kaepernick didn't break any NFL rules. It was just all the 
outrage that was created by the president and the administration, the Trump administration, that caused everybody to say, get Colin Kaepernick out of there. You see how fucked that that is? And this is from a a business that uh, makes billions and billions and billions of dollars a year. Yet they chose to take the black quarterback, blackball him, and Aaron Rodgers, they're fining $14,650. Even if they committed the same crime, that was fucking unfair at best. But what Aaron Rodgers did was far worse than anything Colin Kaepernick did, and he got a $14,000 fine. Tell me that's not fucked up. All right, let's take a break. We'll be right back. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. We are back on the Rational Boomer podcast, and uh, we were talking about the uh, House Select Committee to investigate the January 6th insurrection. And something else happened with the Select Committee today. Uh, They issued some more subpoenas. Now, you remember there were six subpoenas uh, yesterday or the day before that they put out, and there were some known names there. And today they sent out 10 more subpoenas. And there were a lot of uh, advisors and, and, and assistants and such. People like uh, Nicholas Luna, Molly Michael, Ben Williamson, Christopher Liddell, John McEntee, Keith Kellogg, Kenneth Klukowski, who was an assistant to Jeffrey Clark, who, of course, was subpoenaed and chose not to come. We'll see how he stands on this now after the court case where the executive privilege bullshit is ridiculous. He said in the letter from the lawyer when he showed up at uh, the select committee that he's not going to testify until some judge says that he doesn't have executive privilege. Well, Jeffrey, that happened today. So we expect to see you there on Friday, right? I bet not. So that's why we need Merrick Garland to kick it in the ass and start uh, sending people over to the DOJ and start getting some convictions on criminal contempt of Congress. But now on this list of 10, there were two more names that we all know. There was Stephen the fucking creep Miller. That creepy, he looks like like a Bond villain or something. He's just weird looking. He's a racist. He's an anti-Semite. He is a a misogynist. He's just a dirtbag. He's not an old guy. He's a younger guy, but he is the absolutely worst of the worst. And the other one is Kelly or Kaylee, the fucking liar, McEnany. She was the press person for Donald Trump. She's the one that went on stage every day with the press lied, bullshitted. She she pushed along the whole uh, big lie thing, the uh, election fraud. I mean, she did it for the cameras. There's plenty of proof that she did this. So both these people are very interesting subjects in regards to the January 6th insurrection. 
Now, I'm sure Stephen Miller and Kaylee McEnany will try to do this executive privilege thing. But again, a federal judge just, just said that's not a thing. So it'll be interesting to see what they decide to do. It's going to be um, very interesting because as more and more people decide not to show up, more and more people are going to get sent to Merrick Garland at the DOJ. And as I said, Merrick Garland's then going to have a pile of people that are in criminal contempt of Congress, and he needs to do something. So as much as I said we need to pressure uh, Merrick Garland through the court of public opinion, these acts here, that that uh, legal decision and the amount of people he's going to be dealing with is going to put a lot of pressure on him. He's going to have to shit or get off the pot because we can't wait much longer. We're a year away from 2022. This stuff needs to start popping if we need, if we expect it to do any good for the Democrats between now and 2022. It's, it's, uh, very weird how these people think that they don't have to show up. <laughs> it's it's un- unbelievable, actually. Um, but here's one thing to consider about what's happening here. You notice how these subpoenas came out. They started with the police officers. I don't believe there were any subpoenas there. But they're slowly and slowly and slowly getting toward the top. You know, we're talking about McEnany and uh, Stephen Miller. These were the people right next to Donald Trump. So you can kind of tell what's happening here with the subpoenas. There are more subpoenas coming yet. Uh, As few as four more and maybe more. But this is how they do it. They go step by step on the lower levels to get as much information they can. They go up to the next level and then they go to the next level until they reach the top. So that would suggest that uh, the next subpoenas might include Rudy Giuliani, uh, Donald Trump, Trump Jr., Eric Trump, Ivanka Trump, people like that. People at the top of the the, uh, mountain, if you will, with regards to the administration. So the House Select Committee is being very methodical about doing this, but this is the way you do it. You get the little guys, get some information, move up, get some more information, move up again, get some more information until you reach the top. And by that time, you have so much evidence and so much information, those people are just fucked. (laughs) It's like the pyramid scheme upside down. The guys at the top get fucked as opposed to the people at the bottom of a pyramid scheme. So this is going to be wearing on Donald Trump's nerves. He's going to be concerned about this because it's getting closer and he's not getting any help from the courts with regards to his executive privilege. That's all been decided and he's fucked and there's no way he can stop it legally. And Donald Trump, I got to tell you, if nothing else happens to Donald Trump, just seeing him in front of Congress under oath talking to these people. He will shoot himself in the foot so many times, he'll need new shoes. Because this guy's an idiot. He can't help but lie. He's, his, his cognitive senses are, are waning, too, when you listen to him talk. He's not equipped to sit in front of a, a lawyer and be asked questions 
without getting angry or saying something stupid. That's why he was never allowed to um, testify under oath while he was in office. Well, now he doesn't have any protection. And this is going to be a big problem for Donald Trump when it finally gets there. I know it takes time, and uh, I get frustrated too. But I think we're going to see things happening much quicker now because we're on short time before the 2022 election. They have to get this shit done. Or if they lose power in 2022, this whole effort will be for naught. Because if the Republicans get power, they will shut down this investigation quick, fast, and in a hurry. So the Democrats have to be fast about this. They have to keep it pumping, and they need Merrick Garland to do his job in order to entice people to speak as opposed to saying, oh, I don't want to. And the most important part of this thing with Merrick Garland, why he needs to start prosecuting this pe- these people, because... As I said, if it gets to 2022 and the Republicans take control, we'll never know all the facts about what happened on January 6th. And that could be very damaging to this country, especially if nobody's accountable for it. And so Merrick Garland has to act not only for law, rule of law, but for the sake of this country. And I'm sure he knows that. I don't know if he's trying to figure out how to do it or what's the best way to do it. But ultimately, he has to fucking do it. Otherwise, it's going to cause all kinds of problems for us. There has to be accountability for insurrection. There just has to be. Otherwise, you're opening the doors for future insurrections, whether it be in 2022, 2024, or 2050. This will create a degradation in our government, the rule of law, and everything that this country stands for. It has to be that these people are made accountable. Now, one thing I will tell you, there's been a lot of talk about all these insurrectionists going to court and getting light sentences. Again, it goes back to the same thing I was talking about before. They start on the low end and they move up to the higher cases. Um... I think there's somebody somebody on going to court this week. His name is Fairlam, F-A-I-R-L-A-M-B. Now, this guy is being charged with actually injuring a police officer, striking a police officer. And now the DOJ in this case is asking for four years in jail. And depending on what the evidence they have, there's a good chance he'll end up being in jail for four years. And then henceforth, we'll see more and more of these level of uh, insurrectionists, and you're going to see heavier punishments for these people. And that will have a significant effect on all the other people waiting in line to uh, get prosecuted. So if you've been worried about the light sentences, We might see an uptick on that here pretty quickly, maybe as quickly as next week, depending on how long these court cases take. All right. One other thing I wanted to talk about, because this is absolutely fucking nuts, and it's appalling. I mean, it just shows how despicable the Republicans truly are. Republican Representative Paul Gozar 
the man whose sister just a night or two ago said that he is a sociopath. And frankly, if you listen to him, you've, um, you've got to believe he's got some diminished cognitive abilities. I mean, he talks and he talks and he talks and he seems confused with himself. He doesn't really say much. He says, I've got absolute proof and then gives you nothing. The guy is confused. He's not mentally well. And then you watch him where he moves his head and twitches and turns and does all this shit. He almost looks like a psychopath. And when you think about the things he does and says, that makes the the, the suggestion that he's a psychopath hold some water. So just the other day, we've got uh, Paul Gosar. He's on Twitter. And he's on Instagram. And he posted a anime, a photoshopped anime meme type of thing. And it showed him killing AOC and attacking the President of the United States. Where in anybody's sane mind thinks they can do something like that and get rid, uh, get away with it? I mean, just threatening the president in any way is absolutely against the law. So now there's a lot of people looking into it outside legal uh, legal groups, um, law enforcement groups. Um, they're talking about the ethics department in Congress looking at it. And you would think that a Republican leader like, say, Kevin McCarthy— who's leading, or is the um, the minority leader in the House of Representatives, who basically has Paul Gosar under him, you'd think he'd make a statement. You'd think he'd want to say something about this because what Gosar did was so blatantly, ridiculously fucking criminal. You'd think he'd say something. He could strip their um, their committees, or he could expel him from the House of Representatives. But at this moment, Kevin McCarthy and none of the leaders in the Republican Party have said a fucking thing. And AOC did have something to say about this. AOC, needless to say, was upset that her life was threatened. AOC tweeted, A creepy member of the House has shared a fantasy video of him killing me. And he will face no consequences because GOP leaders cheer him on. And the fact of the matter is, that's true. Here's what's interesting. Nobody says a damn word about this guy threatening to kill a congressperson, congresswoman, or attacking the president. They don't say a word about it. Not a single fucking word. But with the bipartisan infrastructure bill, there were 13 Republicans that voted for it. Now, keep in mind, this is a bipartisan bill. They voted for it because, well, it's fucking bipartisan. They voted for it, and it made people mad like Lauren Boebert, like uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, and all those fucking idiots. And now what they're trying to do is push to get those people's committee assignments Strip from them and other kinds of punishment. 
for simply voting for a bill that did a lot of good is going to do a lot of good for the people of this country. To For voting on a bill that is supposed to be bipartisan. They are so angry about that, they want to punish these people. Yet, Paul Gosar gets a pass. That tells you just how despicable these fucking people are. I mean, it's not even like Democrat, bad, Republican, good, or vice versa. The Democrats have their problems, but Jesus Christ, the Republicans are just animals. They're anti-government, anti-democracy, anti-people, anti-everything. I mean, let's be honest. They haven't accomplished anything since Donald Trump came in office. They got the one tax cut that didn't even benefit the people of this country. And after that, they've said no to everything else. Now, that, that makes no sense. How in the hell do you expect to get votes if you don't want to do anything for the people? But here's, here's the funny fucking thing. Here's the funny fucking thing. These people are being chided for voting for the bipartisan bill, the 13, the 13 uh, um, Republicans. And let's be honest, Mitch McConnell also voted for it, and he stated as such today. But the people in the Republican Party, including Donald Trump, are ripping these people to pieces. Well, why is Donald Trump mad? Well, because Donald Trump tried to do an infrastructure bill for four years, and he couldn't even come close to it. So he's not liking the fact that Biden kicked his ass again and did the infrastructure bill. So instead of saying, oh, geez, I wish I could have done that. Good job, Biden. Great for helping the people of this country. No. We've got uh, Donald Trump saying it's bad and these people should be punished for voting it and it's ridiculous because it makes him look bad. He doesn't care about the people. He doesn't care about anything that is happening in this country unless it benefits him. So we got the Republicans, Donald Trump, mad at the Republicans that voted for the bipartisan bill. But Paul, Paul Gosar can threaten to kill a congresswoman and attack a president, and nobody says a fucking word. Nobody's arguing about it in the Republican Party, and that is a perfect illustration of the fucking kind of people that we have in that party. Now, even if you're one of these people that isn't doing these crazy things or saying crazy things, but if you're just sitting there doing nothing about it, you're just as guilty as they are. And that's why I say it's the entire fucking Republican Party, because they all act the same way. They either are doing this crazy shit or supporting it by not saying anything or fighting back against it. I mean, there are, there are exceptions, Adam Kinzinger and Liz Cheney, of course. But other than that, all these Republicans are just following in lockstep, doing everything they can to undermine this country, our government, and the people of this country. But still, there are tons and tons of people out there that say, yeah, that's the way I want to do it. Now, I have to imagine that these people are just fucking stupid and woefully ill-informed. There is no way possible that they can possibly agree with the things these people do. 
It's all about, I hate the Democrats, so I'll support the Republicans no matter what they do. If they have to cheat, steal, whatever to win, I'm going to support them. Well, then the people that support them, as far as I'm concerned, are fucked up too. I think I've told you this before, and I've had arguments with people about this. Um, people have said, well, you know, you can't, you can't constantly be mean to these people. You can't all be about politics. And I would agree with that under normal circumstances, but here, here's the deal. What these people have done and supported in this country have been so divisive and so damaging to what we have. I just cannot bring myself to respect these people, to talk to these people, to even listen to a fucking thing they say. People will say that, you know, they'll say, oh, yeah, why can't you listen to their side of the story? Well, let me ask you this. If you're a guy during the Civil War and uh, you're on the North side, the Union, and you're trying to fight against slavery, and you said to me, yeah, but why don't you listen to the other side? Maybe they make some good points. And the South says, yeah, we want to keep slavery. Sorry, that's where it fucking ends. Because you've gone too far there. That in itself is inexcusable. And that's how I feel about Republicans now. What they've done is so offensive and so damaging and so horrific. There's nothing that can bring them back in my good graces. And this causes some problems in my family and in my friends and stuff like that. Because they'll say, well, they're your family. Or, or you've known these people for years. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if you do something that damaging. I can't even talk to you. I don't respect you. Let me put it this way. If I'm a guy who has a brother, and we find out that brother is a pedophile or something like that, I don't care if he's my brother. What he's done is so horrific that I can never side with him. I can never be back to normal with him. There are certain levels you can go, and when you go past them, there is no coming back. And with the Republicans in this country, I really feel that's where they've gone. The people doing the crazy shit and the people that continue to support the crazy shit. That's too far. I can't forgive you. I can't trust you not to do it again. So all I can hope to do is try to fucking shut you down. And at the very least, I don't want you anywhere near me. Some people have trouble understanding that, and maybe I'm being too cut and dried about it, but that's just the way I feel, and that's the way I'm going to continue to feel no matter fucking what. I don't care who you are. If you support Donald Trump now, you are the enemy. You're an enemy of this country, and you're an enemy of mine. I could maybe give somebody a pass if they voted for Trump in 2016 because they just didn't know. Nobody knew. But if then they voted for him in 2020 and still support him to this day, I'm sorry. You're a lost cause. You're not worth my time. You aren't worthy of even anyone listening to your thought because your mind is fucked up. And I won't do it. I just can't do it. Anyway, we're going to wrap things up for another Rational Boomer podcast. If you have questions, comments, complaints, what have you. 
Uh, send me an email directly at rationalboomer at gmail.com or go to anchor.fm, find the Rational Boomer podcast, and leave a voicemail message. So I hope you have a great day, and we'll be back tomorrow here on the Rational Boomer podcast. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.